we interrupt your regularly scheduled suds for an OVA. It finally happened. So put down what you were doing, hop on your cat bus, crack a cold one, and join us as we talk about the Studio Ghibli classic, My Neighbor Totoro. Totoro, Totoro. Cody, we're here. We're here. Uh, we're doing an OVA, so you know what this means. This means one of us fucked up somewhere, or we had something that was going on this past weekend. Yeah, I think we both had pretty busy weeks. Um, you obviously with like your wedding. It's your wedding anniversary, right? It was my anniversary. It sure was. Right. Yeah. That's congratulations to that. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, man. Love that. Sorry. I, unfortunately, I couldn't make the wedding. I That's can't believe okay. it's already been a year. That's crazy, dude. Who are you telling? It is. It, it it feels like yesterday that everybody had come down for it, and like today was the day we actually a year ago was the day we did like our little celebration thing um yeah it, it, this year's been a blur but that's you know that's covid for you right that's quarantine for you yeah it's but, it doesn't even feel like a year since like i remember we were sitting in do you remember the the long island bar we were at when oh we, yeah when we were oh, in yeah. Indianapolis, indianapolis and you're like you know man i'd like you to come to my wedding i was like oh man I, i'd love to try <laughs> yeah no absolutely we were sucking down those Long Islands and those uh, random ass shots and beers. Oh, Gen Con was so great. Fuck, it's always so great. Yes, it was. It is. But not as great as us being here on the next episode of Shonen and Suds. I'm your host, Chris Adams. And I'm Cody Snodgrass. And uh, like we said at the top of this thing, this is uh, this is our first OVA episode. Um, you know, we had kind of talked about what these are. You know, we, we like to have some of these on deck. Um, in case our recording schedule gets, um, it, something gets interrupted. Um, you know, we're, we're humans. We have things to do. We are busy folks, but, uh, you know, we're, we've got something really great planned for each of these. Um, and I mean, obviously Cody, we talked about this before we even started recording. You can't really do much better than pretty much, pretty much any studio Ghibli movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're pretty much the top. The top, the top of the top, you know, the cream of the crop when it comes to animated film. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and I, I feel like these are movies that pretty much everybody should have in their collection. Um, and I'd, I'd be willing to bet most people have st- seen at least one Studio Ghibli movie, whether you're into anime or not. I'm, w- I'm willing to bet everybody's seen at least one. Yeah, I would hope at least one. Um, and if not, please go check them all out. <laughs> They're all uh, please. Please, please do. And um, we're going to be starting with um, probably. I'm. You might say this is this is the biggest one, honestly. Um, and by that I mean it's it's probably become the most iconic um, because the character Totoro is. I mean, it, it, he's be, he's kind of transcended that movie character and has become more of like an icon. Um, and we'll talk more about that as we talk about the reception of this movie. Uh, but just know, like, this guy has pretty much become the equivalent of, like, Mickey Mouse and Winnie the Pooh. Like, he, you know, he is, Totoro is, like, a, like, just, again, it's a mascot more than a character at this point. Yeah, he's one of, like, the big three, like, animation icons. So. Yep. Absolutely, but uh, you know, we'll go ahead and qu- before we you know pop into uh, you know pop into the anime here, Cody. I got a very important question for you. Oh, what's that? What what are you drinking? Ooh, that cracks like an AB product, sir. <laughs> you know it, Chris. Chris, this is a Bud Ice. 
I don't know if you have. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Holy shit! Doobie, doobie, doo. Is the fucking is the? I don't know. If, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the Bud Ice commercials with the penguin. I don't know if I'm old enough either, Chris. Holy but, uh... shit! Um, well, we're gonna interrupt that for a second. <laughs> oh, Chris, this is a uh, the 25 ouncer. It's titled the big one right across the top by the tab. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, nice, man, the old twenty-five icer. A nice five point five percent alcohol volume. Um, you know, another oh. another trailer park staple. Um. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, look. No- normally, you say that endearingly, but when you're talking Bud Ice, does it have like the ridges and shit like on the top of like the bottle where it curves when it goes to the neck? <laughs> well, it's a can, so I mean. <laughs> oh, it's a can. Okay, okay. I thought you were going so, to bottle, but uh, unfortunately, not. Um, I know I've seen my dad drink a few of these back in his time. Um, uh huh. But yeah, if you, believe it or not, Chris, you can get a tall boy of Bud Ice and a Big Gulp at Seven Eleven for under three dollars, and you know that's just a steal, in my opinion. God, absolutely. Welcome to America. But yeah, I've <laughs> actually pulled up the Bud Ice Penguin commercial from nineteen ninety five. Oh, I can't wait to dive um, into that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm actually going to. I'm going to, um, you know, like I normally do, I'm going to go ahead and share it in the Discord for you. So for your viewing pleasure when we're finished here. But, uh, man, um, before I tell you what I'm drinking, a big thing about ice beer, um, when you have something like Bud Ice or something that's, uh, um, they use the term ice brew, but that's not so much the case. Um, One of the things they do, because they typically have higher alcohol, what they typically do is they freeze it. Or the, and what happens is the water freezes, so you get more of a concentrated brew, which usually consists of more alcohol because alcohol doesn't freeze. But that's usually any, any the, and like ice box, uh, anything that's made, you know, when you see Bud Ice, Natty Ice, all that stuff, there, there's a pr- freezing takes place during the process um, and it extracts, you know, that's how you extract some of the water content from the beer. So That's interesting. Well, well, yeah, a little beer lesson there for you because you'll always notice that ice beers are typically a lot higher in alcohol. I'm so. actually I'm actually looking at I don't know if this is a, a recent but ice bottle, but it looks like the glass on the bottle. This might be what you were talking about. It's like yeah, it's like ice cubes on the glass almost. Yep, yep, that's the one. That's uh that is the classic but ice with like the does it have still have like the big white letters with like the red and blue outline and shit. Yeah, they still got all that. Um, Fuck. Unfortunately, they didn't have a. A pack of bottles there, Bud Ice. Uh, obviously, it's Man. not not the most popular beer, you know. Well, the fact that you found Bud Ice is already, you know, that's already big deal. I mean, I've, I've spent more time talking about your beer than I have my neighbor Totoro. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the Suds and Shonen podcast. That's right. Uh, but Chris, but, uh, what, what, what are we drinking tonight over there? You know, I've gone back to tried and true, man. Um, I have just become enamored by this Dos Equis Lager that. You know, I just had to get more. I've already cracked the bottle, and it's really hard to get that. But I'm drinking a bottle of, once again, Dos Equis Lager Especial. Which, I mean, it's it's like a Corona, just a little more Especial. Love that line. Got, yeah, got, <laughs> got, got, my, got my lime wedge in there, man. It's, uh, it's um, Cody, it's, it's just so smooth. It just I, I don't feel like I'm drinking beer until I've had, like, six of them. Then I'm like, oh, I might be buzzed. <laughs> But yes, yeah. So we we're both dip, uh, dipping into the loggers uh, this week, even though yours is way fucking cooler than mine. Yeah. I'm My not... God, I'm so jealous. I am super jealous of you right now. 
I think it actually cost like maybe ninety nine cents. It might have been like a dollar twenty five for this thing. Oh man, you're you're. <laughs> I think you're, you're telling me nothing but upside here. There's nothing but positives coming out of your mouth. Yeah, I think the Dr Pepper I bought cost more than this. So God, that should tell you something, right? <laughs> Kids, put away the soda and start drinking Bud Ice. <laughs> I don't mean that. <laughs> Drink responsibly, ish. That's right. Um, but let's get let's get, let's get even more responsible, Cody. Let's talk about my neighbor Totoro like we kind of said at the beginning here this is this is the big one this is um you know one of the most revered not just animated movies but I mean probably one of the most revered movies of all time um it typically ranks very high on all-time movie lists all-time animated movie lists I mean you name it this movie shows up um and this is the one from what I understand, this is the one. Um, obviously, you, let me back up a little bit. I mean, the movie's animated by the the timeless uh, Hio uh, Miyazaki. This, I believe, is the movie that like this is the one that like made his career. The one that like really set him on the path to success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's uh, so we'll talk about you know quick tale of the tape here. Um, the movie was released April sixteenth, nineteen eighty eight. I was six years old when this movie came out in Japan. Um, it is distributed by uh, Toho Studios, which I mean is pretty. Um, that's a large studio. There's not much that isn't distributed by Toho, mm-hmm. um, and of course directed by the iconic Hio Miyazaki. Um, also written by Miyazaki, and of course animated um, by. Um, let's see here. I can't remember. I uh, know he did uh, what's called Studio Ghibli. Obviously, I don't know if it was uh, directly by somebody in particular, but um, from what I understand, Cody, and correct me if I'm wrong, Studio Ghibli, I believe, still hand draws everything. Yeah, I actually like, did a little bit of research on that, um, mostly because I saw that there's like an official wiki page for the the, the newest movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they hand draw everything there. Which is crazy. That's huge. Yeah, it's just like with how far technology's come, the fact that they're still doing it like the old school way. Uh, And you can really Uh tell the difference. Like this is the gold standard when it comes to animation, really. Um, Well, and I agree. And because what's also great about this, especially, you know, because I I watched this movie, you know, obviously today for this podcast, but like the animation still holds up it's still so and this is a movie from 1988 so it's still very like the animations are very crisp very clean like the the like the backgrounds are almost like watercolor like they're very everything's very whimsical like it's just if nothing else these studio ghibli movies are just absolutely beautiful to look at yeah absolutely um it's kind of crazy i was doing when I was just doing some research on my lunch break today, mm-hmm. I I saw that Miyazaki he said that back in like his younger years he could do mm-hmm. about ten minutes of animation a month. Wow. Uh, now nowadays he can only do one minute of animation per month. So like him wow. making this film, I think he's I'll have to check while we're while while we're talking just mm-hmm. to see how old he is now because he's uh, he's up there um oh he is definitely up there i'm actually on the case right now he is uh he is 79 years old 79 years old that's crazy um but could you yeah. imagine like working so hard on a project and you get a minute of it done out of probably like what's going to end up being like a two-hour movie or something down the line like, like that's tough right like that's just de- that's dedication to the craft and i mean we could we could easily do uh, an entire episode just on miyazaki alone 
Um, yeah, that might even but yeah. it might even become a future like series of episodes, just kind of going through like the Ghibli history. Uh, oh yeah, and his, it's and his just... history and like his son and everything. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot to talk about there. Um, no, absolutely. And uh, the big thing here is uh, and I don't I don't want to get in too far into like the accolades and stuff because I mean this movie is very much revered. It's a it is just a this thing this movie prints money mm-hmm. um, right now. But let's let's talk about it, Cody. Let's dive right in um, to my neighbor Totoro. Um, so the movie starts with um, uh, a father with his two daughters. Um, they they've got like pretty much everything packed into their truck. Uh, from, the movie takes place in the late fifties in Japan, by the way, um, which is kind of relevant because I feel like a lot of his movies that are that have more modern trappings definitely take place in like the forties and fifties. I mean, this one obviously. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies takes place post World War II. I mean, we're talking immediately after the bombings of uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So, like this particular time period, I don't know if he just has an affinity for this, or if this maybe reminds him of his childhood, that kind of thing. But, but I digress. So, um, we were we're greeted by the father and his two daughters, uh, Satsuke and May. Um, and they're moving to this old house out in the country. Mm-hmm. Take us from there, Cody. T- t- tell, tell us where we're going here. Yeah, like you said, we're introduced to the Kusakabe family. Um, yeah. And we're not sure why they're moving at this point, really, at the beginning of the film. Um, mm-hmm. But the the first day, they're, they're kind of just getting... Like, the father's moving and stuff with, like, a moving guy. Uh, and his daughters, Satsuki and Mai, they're kind of just going on exploring their new home, basically. Yep, just like kids do. They're, I mean, they're running around the property. They're they're skipping on rocks. They're hooting and hollering. They're like, the, and the house is definitely a fixer-upper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but Chris, they they find the bathhouse, and they stumble yeah. across. At, at first, we just see like these sort of like almost like black like dust mites, and they kind of just scatter when they open the door. Mm-hmm. And it kind of startles them at first, uh, but then they're kind of intrigued. They're trying to find more of them. Mm-hmm. Um. And it turns out these are actually like these, quote unquote, like like dust spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're introduced to another character uh, who goes by the name of she just has the girls call her Granny. Uh, she's an yep. an elderly neighborhood woman, and uh, she she really helps out with the Kusakabe's. Um, and we'll get into some more of those details here in a little bit. Um, but she actually yeah, she knows- was she was the one looking after the house right before they moved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but she actually has like. A small history, like she says that she, when she was a girl, she was able to see these these spirits as well. Mm-hmm. And that uh, it got. She said something like she got something to the effect of, um, it, you you can if you don't want them here, they'll leave that kind of thing, or you know, it's it, almost to the effect of that. You know, as you get older, you're not able to see them anymore, and that that kind of sets up where we're going here, where clearly this is going to be just a whimsical adventure for the children. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they spend their first night at their new home, uh, and the next day they actually all get up and, as a family, they they hop on Dad's bike and they uh, they they go to the hospital to visit their mother. Um, mm-hmm. Which apparently, I, I don't think they say what the illness is that she has, mm-hmm. uh, but she's clearly has to stay in the hospital, and that's actually why they moved. They wanted to be closer to the hospital she was she was at. Um, yep. 
Yeah, and the whole thing, it seems like the whole time in this movie that, like, and it comes more to more of a head later that, um, she keep like obviously her kids want her home and they want her to come see the new house and see the the, the ghosts and everything and you know they, like they they really want their mom to be at home but like it, it seems like there's just one complication after another um, with her and and that kind of comes to a head later um, which kind of sets up the big like the big like climax of the movie I guess yeah and so the following day after they go to visit their mom in the hospital. Uh... It's like Satsuki's first day at school, uh, mm-hmm. at like this new school. So she goes off to school, and it leaves May and her dad at home. Uh, and May May's the younger of the two. Um, yep. She, she kind of goes on her own little adventure, uh, and she's starting to like discover. She finds like a trail of these acorns, mm-hmm. and I probably should have mentioned it earlier. They found a bunch of acorns in the old in their like house when they first walked in. Yep, and she like just was picking them all up as they. Yeah, just just kind of pick them up, just being interested with like these shiny little acorn nut. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, she ends up seeing uh, this little like almost looks like a bunny, but he's kind of like halfway see through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's she's following it, and he can like turn invisible and like reappear. Yep, and it's almost like once he notices her behind, like he just kind of disappears off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she follows it under like. It's almost like under their like patio or something like that, um, mm-hmm. and then that spirit and another larger spirit who's blue, they kind of try and sneak away, and they got like a big bag full of acorns, uh, and Mai notices them, so she like ends up chasing after them, and this is obviously where this trail of acorns is coming from, um, mm-hmm. and she kind of goes on this this chase scene after these two spirits, uh, and ends up falling like down this tree, like this hole in this giant tree. Um, and lands right on top of uh, our beloved Totoro. Yes, indeed. Just a massive gray, almost Snorlax-looking yeah. kind of. Uh, and uh, I mean, he's he's sitting there fast asleep, and she starts. Uh, May starts like like rubbing his face, like 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 you like you would like a cat or a dog, and like it causes him to like almost like like twitch or sneeze, like because his uh, his whiskers come up. And I mean, obviously, this whole thing describing describing a Ghibli movie does it no justice because it's just so fluidly animated yeah no absolutely um <clears throat> but yeah she ends up actually falling asleep kind of like on Totoro's stomach mm-hmm. and then uh Sasuke she comes home from school and she's like hey where's my or May mm-hmm. and, the ca- and like well the dad's like she's been gone pretty much all day because she like made everybody lunch and everything and she was just curious about that if she ate her lunch that kind of thing yeah you can kind of tell that Satsuki's definitely trying to step in and be like the woman of the house um, oh absolutely and not to be like derogative or like rude or anything like that like she's definitely stepping up to where like because obviously their mom's in the hospital you know mm-hmm. uh, but well, she- when they go visit the when they go visit their mom the hospital her mom even mentions that like you're you know you your hair, you know, your hair was just like mine when I was your age, and even the mom's making comments of how so how much uh, Sasuke is being a lot like her. Mm-hmm. Satsuke, sorry, I'm saying her her name wrong. Yeah, um, but yeah, so she goes, she finds May, and May's kind of like just asleep out in the woods, uh, mm-hmm. and May's trying to tell her family about like Totoro and these two other spirits, and uh, at first they kind of don't believe her, and she kind of gets a little bit pouty. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I think this is where they go and they like go to like the shrine type thing and they like they thank the the spirits for looking after May mm-hmm. which I did I try to do a little bit of research on uh, but apparently it's like a some kind of like spiritual ritual that they actually do in I, I guess in Japan mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of a, an interesting scene where they like thank the four spirits for looking after May yep yeah because right because they're they're yeah because the uh, the father comes out and they yeah it was uh I don't know. It was it was really neat, and that's something again you see in a lot of the Ghibli movies. There's like this whole like harmony with nature type of type of theme that they have, and a lot of the movies are like that. Yeah. <clears throat> um. But yeah, then like the following day, their dad he's a professor, and he goes off to work at the university, and uh, mm-hmm. they're, they 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 kind of go to this bus stop and they're waiting for him. Uh, and, and it's like pouring down rain. I, I, I might be getting a little bit too far ahead of myself, um, but it's kind of like the next big storyline moment in in the in the uh-huh. film. Um, but while while they're waiting on this bus, May falls asleep, and Satsuki she's got her like kind of like a piggyback ride, uh-huh. um, and to- she sees like a foot outside of her umbrella, and uh, this is where Satsuki's now able to see Totoro, yep. uh, in all of his glory. Uh, <laughs> And he's got like a little leaf on his head that's like protecting him from the rain, um, which ain't doing much. Yeah, and so this is where we get kind of, at least depending on what version of the film you have, this is like the cover, the cover art essentially. Because Satsuki yep. gives gives Totoro her extra umbrella, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> Totoro has a blast with this because obviously it protects him from the rain. Uh, but he's kind of gets a kick out of it, and he hits like a couple jumps and like makes all the rain from the tree fall down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very very whimsical scene here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we get the iconic cat bus shows up. That's right, because um, I know initially when they go to the bus stop, there again it's their father's bus. But like when the the bus comes up, like he's not there. Um, he doesn't get off of the bus, which is that's when Totoro shows up, and then they have this moment, and then the cat bus shows up, the iconic cat bus. Yeah, and the girls are pretty shocked by this, and Totoro gives them like a. I think it's a it's like a little package full of seeds, almost as if like a thank you. Um, mm-hmm. And the cat bus door opens up, and he hops on, and off he goes, just hopping around in this cat bus. Uh, <laughs> that's right, just cat bussing around. That's what we do. Yeah, and then their father's bus arrives, and obviously they go back home, and like they're telling it, their dad all about that they were able to see Totoro, and they're writing notes to to their mother telling her about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it turns out he. Uh, Something I forget what happened. Something happened, and he and he, uh, he was late and missed the bus, so he had to take the next one. Yeah, his train got like delayed or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that night, the girls go and they plant the seeds that Totoro gave them. Um, and May kind of keeps watch day and night, hoping for these like seeds to plant like a like a tree or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a few nights later. Like, in the middle of the night, they kind of wake up, and they see Totoro and the other two spirits, and they're, like, kind of dancing around where the garden where they planted these seeds. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, got the beer burps already. Oh, it happens, man. Uh, so it they, happens. So they run out, and they're doing this dance that Totoro and the other spirits are doing, and uh, turns out these seeds, that like, they start, uh, like, plant, like, what's the word? Sprouting. I'm, yeah, start sprouting. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. It's that bud ice that's going right to your head. <laughs> yep. 
and uh kind of sprouts pretty quick here chris it turns into this like gigantic like tree almost as if kind of like the one that we've seen um that made went to where totoro lived um yep and then totoro breaks out this like almost like a like a dreidel or like a spinning top type thing mm-hmm. hops on that and then the girls kind of latch on to him and they go for for a flight through like the night sky and a pretty like awesome artistic scene yeah no it, it's a, again another iconic scene and another just beautifully beautifully animated movie. again for, for those listening to this podcast now if you haven't seen this movie you just need to cut us off right now and go watch it because again like i said we're, we're we're talking about what's happening but we are not doing it any justice and i don't i think that's impossible again to do for any ghibli movie they have to be seen to be really truly appreciated yeah absolutely um and especially like this is such a simplistic story like there's not a whole lot of plot here um it's kind of just like a fun like you said a whimsical adventure um but yeah they end up the girls end up waking up and they go running outside and like they wake up they're back in their beds and stuff like that and the seeds are just sprouted out of the garden they're not like the giant tree anymore um but yeah they're still happy about that um and then I think it's this day they're like out picking corn with Granny um, and they get a telegram uh, that says like that their mother basically can't come home. There's been like a setback. Uh, I think she has like a minor cold or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously yeah. this is very upsetting to the girls because they've been missing their mom. Um, yep, and they had actually this trip had actually been planned uh, for her to come visit. Yeah, she was going to get, like, a weekend out of the hospital or something like that. Um, yep. And and this part's tough, right? Because um, this is where you have that moment with uh, Satsuke where she's like, you know, I've heard this before. It last I, I heard this one. Last time they said this, it was a small cold. And she just kind of, like, she just, like, breaks down. And, this, this, I mean, this, it's a sad part to watch, right? Because, like you said, they, they've been missing their mom. Like, these are young children that need their mother. And, you know, dad's never home because he's having to work to, you know, try to keep food on the table. So it's like, you know, there's a there's a very real, you know, in this whimsical story, there's a very real, like, family dynamic that's going on. I mean, you're talking about a family that uproots so they can be closer to their hospitalized mother a father that's gone all day long because he has to work to provide. I mean, he's, it's a single parent household really at the time. And then these children, like, you know, they love their mother. They want to be with their mother, but every time like something is there that can let her come out and let her go see them. It's like, ah, she can't, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's a tough pill to swallow. And I think, you know, she, she may have had enough at this point and just has like a pretty gnarly breakdown right here. Yeah, and her and May, they kind of get into a, a bit of an argument, and I think Satsuki's yep. a little bit mean to her. Um, no, big time. Big uh, time mean to her. Big, big sister <laughs> mean, that's for sure. Yeah, and it really upsets May. Um, and I can't remember if, if it's while... It's actually while they're going to make a phone call to their father to tell him about their mother's like the telegram uh-huh. uh that she tells may to stay with granny but may follows and uh-huh. she may doesn't see that satsuki and katcha i believe is his name he's like another uh-huh. boy in the neighborhood uh kanta i'm sorry uh-huh. she doesn't see that they went to this 
it's Kanto's uncle or his aunt's uncle uncle and aunt's house and uh she kind of just keeps on running down the street um mm-hmm. and she kind of gets lost from where um where her sister is mm-hmm. uh so they kind of go out looking for her, um and this is really where like the climax of the film because uh, she returns ask granny granny hasn't seen her they they like start getting the neighborhood looking for 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 my or me yep and they think uh they they start to think that uh you know oh maybe she maybe she went to the hospital to look for her you know to go visit her mom and they're like well that's like it's like a three-hour uh, uh, walk or something yeah even for for grown-ups it's a three-hour walk but <laughs> i love in this part where like like Sasuke, like obviously she she's frantic and she goes to look for her and she's pretty far out. And while she's walking, like this guy rolls up on this bike or like this car bike thing, and <laughs> she asks the the driver of this vehicle, "Hey, have you seen us, little girl?" Um, and they're like, "No." And then they, "Oh, where where are you from?" And they say where they're from, and he's he's like, "They're like, wow, that that this is pretty far out here from there." Well, see ya. He just like <laughs> leave, he just like leaves her on the side of the road. I couldn't believe that shit. Yeah, he's like, well, good luck finding her. And just drive. Yeah, exactly. Up. It's like he couldn't have given so her funny. a ride back to town or anything. Yeah, it was so fucking funny. Oh, because like everybody in the in the neighborhood's like really nice. Like, Kanta's uh-huh. aunt that lets him use the phone. Like everybody's super friendly. Uh, except uh-huh. for except for this guy and his like girlfriend on this car. Yeah, he's like, well, good luck with that. Bye. And just leaves this small chiming. I don't know. It, it was the fifties, right? Maybe that was just, maybe the world was fucked up everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then Kanto, he kind of catches up to, to Sasaki and he's like, Hey, we found a shoe. Um, mm-hmm. and like the pond. Uh, so she hurries back. Uh, and f- thank goodness. It's not, it's not May's shoe. Um, yeah, that everybody breathes a huge sigh of relief when she's like, "No, it's not hers." Including like us, the audience, because they kind of leave it up in the air. Like you, we don't see my like when May leaves and like runs away, mm-hmm. we don't see her for a while. Um, yep. And this is where Satsuki she goes over to like the tree and she kind of like she's asking for Totoro's help, uh, and she find she discovers the path that May originally found and uh, mm-hmm. falls down, and Totoro decides to help. Uh, and he uh, he summons the old cat bus once again. That's right. And he's and he's pretty eager to help, especially once because uh, like she, like Satsuki's like very like like she's again she kind of breaks down and she's pleading with Totoro to help, and he like kind of hops too, and they shoot up to the tree, and that's when he calls up the old cat bus, and you do see here like I mean the cat bus goes by and like everybody's out there talking, but she and Satsuki's like oh I guess they can't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's definitely like like it's something that only I think the dad he mentioned something earlier that the spirits they they can only be seen by people they let see them or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I believe he has that because he he mentioned stuff like that, you know, in the beginning of the movie. You know, he's like, well, when I was a boy, I did this and I did that. So I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cat bus takes. Satsuki to where Mai is, and Mai's obviously upset. Um, and she was basically just trying to deliver the corn that they had picked earlier in the day. Yep. Uh, to her mother because Granny had been telling them she's like, "Hey, my vegetables will will make your mother like good in no time. They'll help her and so, some stuff like that." Um, mm-hmm. And the cat bus actually decides to to take them to the hospital. 
uh, so they can see their mother. Uh, and their da- their dad's at the hospital, and they kind of watch a- from afar up in this tree. Uh, cat mm. bus included, of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> he, like, scales the tree with them. Very, like, creepy looking, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of like another iconic image from the movie. Yep. Uh, and they leave the corn there on, like, the windowsill uh, without being noticed by their parents, of course. And they, like, they, they see it. And I think she writes, like, a note, like, to mom or something on the ear of the corn. Yeah, but even the mom, like, looks out the window. And she's like, oh, I could have sworn I saw, you know, uh, Satsuki and Mia uh, st- sitting up in that tree smiling a minute ago. And, uh, and this is pretty much like the movie winding down. They return home, um, and we pretty yeah. much the credits start to roll. We eventually see like a, a a still image of like their mother coming home and like Totoro watching from afar, and mm-hmm. you get the kids, a- kids playing, and that's and then we get the Totoro, Totoro. <laughs> but yeah, like that's you said, Chris. I think you put it perfectly. It's like a whimsical little journey. Not there's not like a whole lot of plot here. Um, yeah, there's, it's just a it's just a fun, light-hearted romp that just it's again like this movie's told through the lens of like these this these children's experiences, and like the the only like heavy stuff is their their mothers in the hospital and they really want to see her. Um, and you know, their dad, just this, this kind of family separation that's going on. Like they, they, they need Totoro. They need this escape. They need this to, you know, to kind of make, make things better for them. If that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. So Chris, what, what, what did you think of the, like the first time you saw this film? Oh, well, first time I saw it, um, I saw the old shitty dub back in like the early nineties. Um, now this movie was dubbed twice. Um, to, you know, we'll touch on that here in, uh, for a second. The, uh, um, if you ever saw an anime movie in the eighties or nineties, um, it was most likely, uh, released through Steamline pictures. Um, and a lot of those movies, I mean, they were talking like, you know, anime is really just kind of coming into its own in America most of those dubs are shit. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'll say this: um, from what I understand with this one, um, the 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 dub on this one is still the same. If I'm not mistaken, I like to go back and watch it because I know with uh, the movie that was released before this, uh, I think it was Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. Um, there was a huge, huge issue. Like Studio Ghibli, and I think Miyazaki himself had a huge issue with like the uh, just how different the English dub was. Yeah, like think, it was a very different movie in that regard. I think the differences are just the. I think they just. I think it's all the same lines and the same songs. It's just re-recorded by new, by a new cast. Is all it is. Okay, good, good. Um, because again, I haven't seen the old dub in a very, very long time. But I know, you know, Miyazaki kind of put his foot down and said, if we're going to dub my movies, they're going to be the same mm-hmm. after the, the Valley of the Wind fiasco. Um, but the one I watched is probably the same one you watched, the, the Dakota and Ellie Fanning dub, the Walt Disney released one from 2005, which is ironic. You know, I guess not really ironic. It's kind of like, I mean, it is ironic. Maybe that is the right word I'm looking for. That uh, you know, Totoro's kind of likened to Mickey Mouse, and here we are, Walt Disney releasing uh, the new dub of um, My Neighbor Totoro. 
Yeah, I but think, I, I, I liked it. Oh yeah, I, I, I did too. I think I actually did some research. I don't know if I can mm-hmm. find the exact article I was reading, but like it said, like that Miyazaki, and I don't know if it was actually Walt Disney or somebody from Disney. They actually met at like the 1964 World's Fair in New York. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, wow. Um, but yeah, just a little interesting, little little fun fact. Um, well, I mean, I want to I want to say there's like there. I mean, it does make sense because I know I've read some things. Again, this is I, I'd have to go in and actually do some research, but I know like there are some connections with like Miyazaki and Walt Disney and like the, um, there there there's something there. There's um, what am I trying to say that he is connected with them somehow and vice versa. But I don't remember. That's not, again. We I'd love to do just a whole episode on Miyazaki. I think that'd be a lot of fun to kind of dig into his life and his uh, you know his career and his ties and everything. I think that'd be really really cool to do. Yeah, I want to say I saw something also where like his his niece is like married to like the guy that made Toy Story three or oh that's fucking cool. That's so which cool. is why there's like a Totoro in Toy Story three. Um, Interesting. And speaking of Totoro, the character like like we said, he became like a cultural icon. Mm-hmm. If yeah, he's one one of the biggest like animated characters from a merchandising standpoint too. Yeah, I don't know how accurate these stats are when they were, but uh, mm-hmm. like merchandise alone, the film made one point one billion dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, it's um, well, also too, like I mean, plushes, t-shirts, little figurines, bags, umbrellas, shirt, you know, you name it, uh, Totoro's on it. Yeah, everything. <laughs> That us anime lovers, like, we have to have. Like, it could be anything, and I'm just like, man, I kind of want that. Like, just because it has exactly. an, an animated character on it. Uh, well, and it's also just very, it's just a very simple character that uh, appeals to, you know, all ages, really. Like, there's something, again, it goes back to just being a very fun, whimsical character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, um, but, you know, as far as the movie goes itself, it, it is... There, there's no up or down like this movie is absolutely critically acclaimed across the board um again it's on lists of top anime movies of all time it is list of just top animated movies of all time um it's on people's top movie lists um there's just something very very just beautiful in the simplicity of this movie again like we said there's not a lot happening here it's just it's a journey you want to take yeah, it's definitely worth watching. It's also like, I don't know if you know about the Ghibli Museum, Chris. Um, no, I don't. But it's like a, it's almost like like a Disney World type thing. Um, but instead, it's like all it's all based on Ghibli films. It's, it's in Tokyo. I, I want to go. I yeah, want to go to there. I actually like would love to go there someday on like a trip if I could. Um, but yeah, it's got like a there's a replica of the cat bus. Um, oh, that's so sick. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's like heavily influenced by Totoro. There's like a straw hat cafe that's like superly based on on my neighbor Totoro. Um, yeah, it's definitely something like definitely something on the bucket list is to go and visit uh, the Ghibli Museum. I guess I should I shouldn't say it's it's not like a theme park. It's more of a museum. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, and that's fine too. I love museums. But yeah, and then Totoro obviously he's, he's featured in a bunch more of the Ghibli films and several like little anime nods to him. Um, and like I said earlier, the, the Toy Story three thing. Uh, well, and he's even hit like the big big time because I mean he's 
he's part of the logo for like Ghibli films. Like he is the logo. Yeah, he is like the logo. Um, so like the legacy of him as a character in the film is just really crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be willing to bet that even if you don't watch anime, you and somebody showed you a picture of Totoro, you've probably seen it before or seen that character somewhere before. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he's a pretty iconic character. Um, no, absolutely, and it's one hundred percent. This, if the, if anything we've covered so far on this podcast is a must watch, this is the number one must watch that we've done so far. There's there's no tricks to it. Again, no tricks, no geometry. Just take the eighty six minutes and just enjoy yourself. Relax. It's such a relaxing movie. Yeah, definitely. I've seen this movie. I don't even know how many times at this point. Uh, a lot. It's kind of like a fun movie you can just throw on and like. I, I throw yeah. it on to fall asleep to all the time. Um, yeah. Just because it's not something that really like. There's not a plot that you really have to pay att- too much attention to. You kind of just kind of sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, that and that and that's you know really for the most part. There, there's a, I mean, some of the Ghibli movies get pretty heavy, but this is not one of them. This is just a fun, fun just adventure that you want to go on and you know if you've got kids watch it with your kids if you've got grandkids watch it with your grandkids um if you're a child at heart watch it what i'm saying is you need to watch this movie and if you've seen it if you've seen it which i assume most of you listening to this have do yourself a favor and just watch it again you'll be happy that you did yeah and if you don't own it on like blu-ray or dvd or anything like that it's also available on hbo max Um, oh there you go yeah, they did like a, a Studio Ghibli deal, so they have almost all of their films. I think there's a few they might be missing. Um, what a steal. Yeah. What a steal. Yeah, no, people, I, I see people on Facebook talking like, when's Netflix going to get the Ghibli films? And I'm like, just get HBO. Well, yeah, exactly. It's, not, it's fine because they're right. probably not now. Yeah. Um, yeah, between the HBO's deal with them and Disney Plus, I don't think they're ever coming to Netflix. Um, oh, pretty much. I'd be willing to bet that that's the exact case. But like we talked about earlier, Chris, I know we, we were like saying that the Ghibli movies are pretty much must-have at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You should just buy them. Just buy them. Just buy, I'm sure that you can get online, find a collection somewhere. Just go ahead and do that. Just do it. Do yourself a favor. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, and actually, Chris, this has inspired us to have a, a new ranking. We're going to rank our Ghibli movies. Um Yes, and uh, it's going to be really hard to get. I mean, right, obviously this is the only one, so it's number one. And it's going to be really, really hard to get this from the top spot. But, um, Cody, just because, you know, we don't, want to, we don't want to cut this episode too terribly short. You know, we, were, we were kind of talked about, do you have a top Ghibli movie or a Studio Ghibli movie? Do you have one that's like, that it's your go-to, it is your must-watch? I don't know if I have necessarily a favorite, which is good that we're going to do the ranking system thing. Um, There's Princess Mononoke that I really enjoy. Um, I think the first Ghibli movie I ever saw was actually Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, And that's actually like when I was young, young. I think we rented that at like the family video when they had like kids movies are free. Oh, nice. Um, So I really enjoy that. Uh, Obviously Totoro's up there as well. Uh, I do love Ponyo. Um, oh, Ponyo! is kind of some people have hate it, and some people like really enjoy it. I I don't see the hate for it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know if I have a particular favorite. 
Princess Mononoke is very good. It's probably that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's actually my number two. If I had to say my favorite, it's, I mean, as, as sad as it is, it's definitely Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, and interestingly enough, Chris, the, these actually, when this hit theaters, when Totoro hit theaters, it was actually a double bill. And he got to see uh, Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro in like a, like a double feature night. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, man, I I couldn't even imagine that. And that's like, I think it was April 16th, 1988 is what this says. So if you lived in Japan at that time, you were, you got quite the treat uh, for like a double header. Uh, I know I've, I've never been to like a double header, but I know like some drive-ins do that and stuff like that. Um, Oh dude, double, double features are great, man. There's a, the, the longest time I've sat in a movie theater is when uh, The Dark Knight Rises came out. Uh, mm-hmm. Me and my ex-wife went and watched all three of the Nolan Batman movies. They were showing them all back to back to back with like an intermission in between each one. So I highly recommend doing a, a, at least a double feature at a movie theater at least once in your life. It'll change your life. Yeah, I definitely have to look into it. I can't imagine if they like played Totoro first and like a nice happy... You know, a feel-good film, and then you just end with Grave of the Fireflies. And Dude, like... I, they'd, they'd have to show that in reverse because, like, <laughs> like I, Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, it's gonna. Be, I can't wait to do that one here. You might hear your old boy cry while we're talking about it. that movie. Is sad as shit. It is such a. It's such a good watch, but man, is it such a hard watch. Like, do you want to watch a movie where two orphans pretty much just die of radiation poisoning and starve to death? pick up grave of the fireflies you'll love it yeah it's a it's it's a rough one but it's it is a great film yeah they yep. both they were both uh released on april 16th 1988 in japan so yeah man, a oh little man. double feature um <laughs> that's that's tough that's why like i i genuinely hope that they didn't show them in that order if they did they were like hey we don't want people going home on a bad note let's go ahead and put this one first mm-hmm. and then you know end on end on totoro that's how i would do it yeah, they probably had like a crying intermission in between. <laughs> oh, they would have to a clean. Uh, just uh, go get some Kleenex from the concession stand. I think it's pretty interesting that the Studio Ghibli made the choice to release them both like that. That's that's a very like yeah. bold move, uh, and it actually is like a a very mm-hmm. respected move, like in like cinematography and stuff like that. Because the Grave of the Fireflies is actually like directed by is it Aizawa Takahata? Is his name? Yep. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the other big Ghibli names. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he was the he was the co-founder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and uh, him and Miyazaki were like the uh, the co-founders, if I'm not mistaken. It's kind of funny, like the two movies we were considering watching for this episode actually released like together. That that is funny because I know that yeah, you, those were the two you came to me and said, "Hey, let's do these first And a, I immediately said, "I don't want to cry on this podcast yet," <laughs> so let's go ahead and do Totoro. That was that was my answer. That's right. Grave of the Fireflies is one I have to watch alone in my darkened apartment. <laughs> now, Chris, if we, if you had to compare the My Neighbor Totoro to uh, mm-hmm. the other uh, animated films that we've watched, the Cowboy Bebop, Knocking on Heaven's Door movie, and then, of mm-hmm. course, your absolute favorite, Afro Samurai Resurrection, where do you where would you put Totoro at? Man, I I might I might have to give Totoro the top spot. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's it's hard. I mean, Grant, I love Cowboy Bebop, but like, there's just something. Like, it's just Totoro is just timeless. And again, like, you know, you can describe Cowboy Bebop, you can talk about it, 
and give somebody like a picture of what's going on for some right again with with ghibli movies you just can't do that like you have to watch them you have to see them with your own, own eyes and they're just they're just all just super special so yeah totoro takes the top movie spot on our podcast and it just slides everything down one and uh it slides uh afro samurai resurrection right into the right into the bin mm-hmm. <laughs> where it belongs yeah right uh, to the bin where it belongs uh but chris before we wrap up today we actually got a couple questions um yeah and i'll and i'll start with the easy one first because the second one we we kind of were debating between uh mm-hmm. right before we recorded the podcast uh and this one i think we'll break down a little bit we'll do what do you what's your favorite drink is the question um, okay and i say chris let's do like let's say like favorite beer and then maybe like okay. favorite like liquor beverage mixed drink? yeah mixed okay. drink maybe yeah, you have the bartending experience so I, I don't have the words for this um yeah no that that that's that's a that's a perfect way to do it because i mean they're both you know it's a mood right like sometimes i want liquor sometimes i want beer right um but i'll, I'll let you what's your, what's your favorite beer we'll start with that one favorite beer of all time huh well it's over the last couple months it has become this dos Equis lager um but if there was, you know, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, take the cop out here. If, you know, start, especially with it getting ready to be uh, stout season, you know, wintertime, I love stouts. I'd have to say my favorite beer, um, especially this time of year, is probably Old Rasputin by North Coast Brewing. Um, it's just a Russian Imperial stout, super like malty, big, heavy, burnt flavors, big, you know, 10% alcohol just smooth as fucking bikini wax just great great beer great beer that's that's the one that's the one i'm going with okay what about what about your favorite beer cody well chris believe it or not i don't think it's an anheuser-busch product (gasps) well i know for a fact it's not an anheuser-busch product uh as much as i love bud light and it's and natty light and they're how much of a go-to they are Mm -hmm. uh and uh, an honorary mention to Pabst Blue Ribbon uh, to help course, keep us on course. the budget, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite beer is actually Corona, like a Corona sure. Extra uh, with with a nice wedge of lime. Of course, you can't without the lime; it's nothing. Uh, but with the lime, <laughs> change it just adds a whole another level. Yeah, a few years back we had a family Mexico trip uh, when my cousin got married, and uh, I don't even I couldn't tell you how many coronas I put down on that trip, Chris. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think you, you I th- kept them in business. Yeah, I think Corona's probably my my favorite. Um, anytime I have like a a small little celebration, I always try to go grab a a pack of coronas, even though it's not like it's not like it's champagne or anything like that. But you know what? You like what you like and you drink what you drink. And that's I mean, again, that's kind of how this Dosaki's lager is for me, man. It's just become it's become my go-to, honestly, as weird as that is. But no, it's not weird because, you know, we like what we like. God damn it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Chris, what about mixed drink? What's your favorite mixed drink? Man, if I'm going to have a good, if my go-to mixed drink is probably, probably a, oh man, I, I'm, it's got to be a, uh, no, it's got to be a, like if I'm if I'm having a good that's a good cocktail, it might be an old fashioned man. Like I love whiskey. Just get a couple sugar cubes, cherry, orange, mash that thing up. Get a couple cubes of ice packed on top of it. 
pour a couple fingers of whiskey in there, stir it up, and oh, I just came. <laughs> yeah, All definitely right. an old fashioned. Old fashioned's <laughs> the way to go, and you got to use like a decent whiskey, like a, a you know, again a Buffalo Trace, a Blanton's, you know, or maybe some. I, I like rye whiskey. The the sharp, uh, the sharpness kind of zip of the rye plays well against like the sweetness of like the fruit and the sugar and you know kind of really complements the bitters that are in there well that's that's me what about you code well chris i'll have to ask you actually what goes into it not 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 the the old-fashioned or whatever you said Mm -hmm. um my favorite i think uh, you're an apple teeny guy aren't you no you love a good apple teeny don't you it's gotta be a long island um sure and i have no idea how they're made yeah, it, 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 they're actually very, very easy. They're, that, that's, they're very easy to make and usually super quick. Typically all it is is just vodka, rum, triple sec. Um, sometimes you see tequila. Um, gin is in the drink. Um, then it's usually sour mix and a splash of Coke. Okay. Yep. Some, so, again, some, some places use tequila, some do not. There's not really a wrong answer there. Um, I personally think it's a waste to put tequila in there because you can't really taste it. But usually it's just vodka, gin, rum, triple. And I'm talking like a white rum, you know, uh, triple sec, um, which is like an orange liqueur. Um, and then sour mix, splash of Coke. Well, that, that's that's my favorite right there. Um. And uh, you notice that next time you order one at a bar, most bars, their speed rail where they make all the drinks, they're usually lined up in the order to put into a Long Island iced tea just for the sake of speed. You just kind of go from left to right, usually. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Yep. I'll, have to, I'll have to pay attention to that next time. Uh, mm-hmm. But usually if I'm ordering Long Islands, you know, we're not... We're, yep. we're, we're looking to have a good night, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> To get the job done. Is, oh, and the funny thing is with Long Islands, you you change you just change a couple items in that recipe. Or, uh, recipe. <laughs> Turn to Ignis all of a sudden. I got a new recipe. Um, you you have a completely different drink. Like you take the same liquors, but replace the take the triple sec and replace that with blue curacao, and then put in the sour mix. And instead of a splash of coke, do a splash of sprite. You've got a blue motorcycle instead, which is a, pretty much a blue Long Island iced tea. So interesting. Actually, yeah. speaking of which, I remember we talked about earlier the, our our Indianapolis Indianapolis trip. Oh, they were so good. The 36 flavors of Long Island iced tea. Unfortunately, we didn't get to try them all because... And I would have. I definitely would have. <laughs> yeah, if we had a longer... Yeah. If we, had, we would have had a longer week there, we would have been fine. Uh, Dude, the, the Cherry Coke one is still the one that just really just revs my engine. I, I, I would scour the four corners of the globe just to get another picture of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um but drinks aside, Chris, we got one more question tonight. Yeah, I know it's a hard one too. I, I was, I, you, we talked about this one before, but go ahead and read it off. After much debate, it's we're gonna do. Who is your favorite anime character of all time? God, this one's hard. This one's really, really hard. But uh, when it, when I guess when push really comes to shove, um, I'm not gonna do any ties. I'm gonna have to go with Ostrom the Black Knight from Record of Lotus War. Um, just such a, just a great villain, very, very complex. He's a, he's a, a, just a character with a lot of layers. Um, he can be stern. He appears cold hearted, but he's definitely not, um, very much, 
you, you, he's a really hard person to read. And I think just, you know, but he's also like super fierce, like really, really tough in battle. Definitely has his own convictions that he lives by. Um, just a really, really great character. And he, for, for me, he's the one who made that show what it is as far as I'm concerned. So it's Ashram, the Black Knight from Record of Lotus War. What about you, Cody? I'm a little upset I haven't seen that, so I'll have oh, to... Oh, man. Have, hopefully, crazy. we'll have to nominate that somewhere down the road. Um, Absolutely. But mine's... Uh, I think after a long deliberation, I think I got to go with uh, Edward Elric from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Uh, oh, that's or, a damn or, good one. Or Full Metal Alchemist, whichever you want to go with. Um, sure. I just like his character as a whole, everything that he goes through, um, and, he, and his promise to get his brother's body back, and like every, just his whole arc is just really something, something special. I know, like, mm-hmm. I've talked about it once before on this podcast, but I think it's episode twenty six of Brotherhood, mm-hmm. where like he punches through the door and he like points to his brother's body and is like, "I'm coming back for you, just you wait." Uh, it, it's still my favorite anime scene ever. Um, so yeah, I think I, I'd have to go with Edward Elric on this one. Um, and that's a damn good choice. As Full Metal Alchemist is another one that I would love to watch and review because I have very, very fond memories of that one. That's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it's definitely something that will for sure get nominated in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that one. Um, but yeah, Chris, that that's all I got for this episode. Do you got anything else you want to mention before we close up? Uh, um, no, man, this wraps it up. But uh, next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled suds. Um, I believe it is episodes 13 through 24 of, I almost said Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> I've got Ghibli in the head, but Seven Deadly Sins. Episodes 13 through 24 of Seven Deadly Sins is what we will be uh back to uh last thing i have cody is uh go ahead and make sure you watch that bud ice penguin doobie doobie doo commercial <laughs> yeah and you it's guys classic. and you guys at home be sure to check this out as well uh hop on the, hop on the old youtube and look up a bud ice commercial uh, that's it, right it, it'll do you some good um, well usually if you start typing in bud ice uh, the first thing that populates is bud ice penguin commercial yeah, and if you guys got you know some spare change, a couple quarters laying around, you can you can run down to your local liquor store or Seven Eleven and pick yourself up the big one, the nice twenty five ounce tall oh, boy. Oh, the big one. Uh, ice cold, but ice. Uh, oh, but yeah, guys, man. be sure to follow us on our Twitter at Shonen and Suds and our Facebook page also at Shonen and Suds. Uh, Chrissy, you, you got anything else? Nah, man, I am good. I am absolutely good. This is a this is a great episode. We co- we covered a lot of things. We had a lot of laughs tonight, gang. Yeah, a whole lot of suds talk, whole lot of drink talk. Um, and if you guys enjoyed it, uh, just be, stay tuned for next Tuesday when we cover that second half of season one of Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, I am Cody Snodgrass, and I am Chris Adams signing off. And thanks as always for listening. <laughs>